Section 11 of Old Rail Fence Corners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Schempf. Old Rail Fence Corners. Edited by Lucy Leavenworth Wilder Morris. Mr. William W. Ellison, 1850. Mr. Ellison, now in his ninety-third year, with a perfect memory, says, I came to Minnesota with a determination to lead an outdoor life, as my lungs were giving me much trouble. One of the first things I did was to take a yoke of oxen to Traverse, to meet Mr. Williamson, who was a missionary at Lackeparo. It was in November. I was new at this kind of work. The oxen were delivered to me at Fort Snelling. I crossed the river in a canoe and swam the oxen across to Mendota. Then I went on towards Shakopee. There was a well-worn Indian trail leading along the Minnesota River, and I followed that. I went through Black Dog's village. I started late in the afternoon. A young couple had been married at Mendota a few days before, and had gone on ahead. I expected to catch up with them. My oxen were most tractable, and the country through which I passed very beautiful. The trail led along a ridge. My uncle, Mr. Williamson, had always told me to make my camp early, while there was plenty of daylight, so not seeing or hearing anything of the other wagon, I made my camp where an old Indian camp had been, and prepared to spend a comfortable night in the woods. I cooked my supper, and then turned in. The wind had come up, and I soon became very chilly, so I looked around for a warmer place. I found a windfall and made myself a nice little fire by crossing the trunks and building a fire under them. I spent the next four hours in comfort, though it was very cold. My uncle had told me to start with the first rays of the sun. I had no timepiece, so when I saw a glow in the east I got up, ate my breakfast, and started. It was not long before I saw that my dawn was a prairie fire. I had not gone far when I heard a horse neighing, and soon found my Mendota friends. They had not understood how to camp, so were nearly frozen to death. Their wagon had broken down when they were in a swamp. They had taken what little bedding they had and camped on a knoll in this swamp. I surely was sorry for that bride. Her husband had had a chill early in the evening before they camped. She had been up with him all night and now thought he was dying. I thought he was too. I tried to make a fire out of the wet willow wood there, but could not, and he got bluer and bluer. We used all the blankets we had. Finally, I said, you lie down on one side of him and I on the other. After some time his teeth stopped chattering and his color returned. I think it would have been the last of him if I had not found them as I did. I tried to fix the cart but could not. A half-breed who was driving for them had gone on to Shakopee for help, taking one horse the night before. I started on with my oxen to bring help. When I got nearly to Shakopee I met a half-breed, John Moores, going to their help. I waited for them at Shakopee. McLeod's boat came along, and they took that, as they could not get their cart mended well. I made about twenty miles a day walking with my oxen. I stayed one night in the big woods at Belle Plaine. The wolves were very thick, so I hung my food on a sapling and leaned it against a tree. When I got to the crossing at Traverse, it was dark. I hollered. I could hear someone say, That must be Ellison. Then they came over to me. The Hopkins and Huggins had the mission station there then. It did seem good to get where I had a square meal. I had been living principally on sweet biscuit my aunt, Mrs. Williamson, the missionary's wife at Caposia, made. Don't ever take anything sweet to eat for any length of time. Martin McLeod met the boat with a string of Red River carts. 
they were loaded with furs and were to take supplies back it was very interesting to me to watch the loading and unloading of this boat i was not yet familiar with those half-breed drivers they seemed sociable fellows among themselves laughing and joking and talking in their lingo the boat had brought a barrel of flour one of pork and other supplies for the mission at lackiparo so after spending a week at traverse waiting for the train to start i took these in a cart drawn by one ox and started with the rest on monday morning the dressers had their cart which i had managed to fix and their team of horses i started with them and the string of carts i could see the trail two miles ahead it had to go around the sloughs the cart train of course followed it i soon saw the sloughs were frozen and could bear my ox and wide-wheeled cart where it was not deep so i cut across when mrs dresser was getting dinner i appeared and ate with them they could not understand how i could keep up with horses the train was several miles back we all camped together at night the first night was spent on the border of swan lake the trail followed a straight line from traverse to lackiparl except for these sloughs saturday night we camped at black oak lake twelve miles from lackiparl in the morning mcleod and his train went on but we stayed and kept the sabbath arriving the next day the first indian i ever shook hands with was little crow at Kaposia, his village he was common looking even for an indian my uncle dr williamson said he is the smoothest indian i know usually when i am told a lie once i look out for that liar and never trust him again but little crow has fooled me with his lies a dozen times and i suppose he will a dozen times more when i first met john other day he was a savage with all a savage's instincts my uncle mr williamson said to me one night we'll lock the cattle up tonight upeto topeka later other day is back from washington and feels very much abused he might kill them when he became a christian all this was changed he never forgot his religion for a moment at the time of the outbreak he led a party of refugees at the greatest risk to himself through the back country to shakopee i think there were over forty in the party i used to walk fifty miles a day with ease and could keep it up for several days i never walked in moccasins for they gave no support to the feet but a soldier's shoe bought at the fort for two dollars was ideal to wear it had a long heavy leather sole a very low heel and heavy leather all hand sewed for the uppers the northwestern fur company's trail started from new cave now st paul and followed the mississippi river through st anthony to anoka it forded the rum river at anoka near the mississippi following as nearly as possible that river to st cloud where it crossed at a ford it then followed the sock river about eleven miles then turned to the right and crossing big bend forty-five miles striking the river again four miles north from sock center then it passed through the timber to alexandria it crossed the red river near fort abercrombie then went directly north to pembina passing from point to point of the red river of the north the red river carts had wheel rims eight inches wide i have seen them with solid wheels cut from a single round of a tree i have heard the carts around pembina were formerly all like this but in my day they generally had spokes i suppose they were lighter it was the width of the wheel and the sagacity of the animal that made it possible to go with security over the most impossible roads they usually carried eight hundred pounds when they reached st paul they camped where larpenter's home is now i never knew an indian who had been converted to go back on the whites some people would sell them a pair of pants for a christian indian could vote and then say as they saw them so dressed there is a christian indian it took more than a pair of pants to christianize an indian 
but when they were once converted they stayed so as the many people who were saved by them in the massacre could testify end of section eleven